Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 61. My name is Ronnie, and I'm joined here with my two Soccer Subs co-hosts, Voss and Eric. Uh, fellas, good to be on with you guys. But before I throw it over to you guys, let me give a quick shout out to our two sponsors, Paragon Sports. They're located down on 18th and Broadway here in Manhattan. They're your premier destination for all activewear, for running, soccer, basketball. Definitely go check them out on paragonsports.com. And our second sponsor, Taqueria 86, they're located on 94th and Broadway here in Manhattan as well. An amazing soccer-themed restaurant here in Manhattan. They've got amazing tacos, burritos, rice bowls, drinks. Definitely go check them out. Check them out on Instagram, Taqueria86NY. But now that that's out the way, fellas, how are you guys doing this week? Good to be on with you guys. Episode 61, another week in the books, another great interview that we have for you guys in a minute. And welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast. That's it. I think that's Rob's question. You know, don't come back. Boss got it from now on, dude. No, no, I'm just kidding. Listen, guys, thank you all for listening. This is episode 61. You can believe it's 61. We're only 39 from 100, but no. We have so much soccer to talk about, so much MLS stuff, and, of course, some European transfer action going on. Looking forward to it. Let's get to it. I appreciate it, Eric. Yeah, for the soccer fans, for the MLS fans, we got a big show coming up for you guys today. We got a big guest coming up in just a few minutes out of Palmdale, California. He's a former MLS player, now playing on the USL side, El Paso Locomotive in the midfield. He also represents the Salvadorian national team. Man, we're really excited. We got Mr. Eric Galvillo joining us in just a few minutes. Eric Galvillo has been around the USL and the MLS for a long time. Played for the San Jose Earthquakes. Played for Orange County SC last season, the reigning USL champs. So really excited to talk to Eric in just a few minutes. Uh, fellas, before we get to Eric, I mean, just some soccer news to get into. Voss, you know, our New York teams, the New York Red Bulls tying with Portland this past week, 1-1 at home. I know you guys are still looking for your first ever home win. You guys beat DC United 3-0 away. I mean, New York Red Bulls on the road are unbelievable right now, so love to see it. And on the NYCFC side of things, my very own New York City Football Club tying with Sporting Kansas 0-0. And for the U.S. Open Cup, we just beat Rochester, New York 3-1 at Belson Stadium for the U.S. Open Cup. So we advanced. Both New York teams advanced. So hopefully we get a New York Derby out of uh, the U.S. Open Cup. We're staying tuned for the upcoming matchups. And on the MLS standings, I mean, the Western Conference, still similar to last week. LAFC still on top. Austin FC second. LA Galaxy coming up a little on top to third. FC Dallas fourth. Ralsaw Lake fifth. Nashville sixth. And Minnesota seventh. And on the eastern side of things, our boy Jim Curtin still holding it down at number one for the Philadelphia Union. Voss's New York Red Bulls coming in at number two. Montreal at third. Orlando City coming on fourth. Cincinnati, you love to see it, number five. NYCFC coming up on sixth, and number seven, Atlanta United. So yeah, definitely a good week. LAFC had themselves a heck of a game versus the Philadelphia Union, both number one teams going up against each other. And also on the European side of things, Fabrizio Romano reporting Erling Haaland to Man City is official. Reports coming out that Frankie de Jong from Barcelona to Man U is almost official. Robert Lewandowski being reported that he wants out of Bayern Munich. That's going to be interesting. A lot of clubs are going to want him. And Giorgio Cellini from Juventus confirming that he'll be leaving Juventus after 17 seasons. So we're losing our legends, man. And of course, we're staying tuned to the UEFA Champions League final, May 28th. We're less than two weeks away in Paris, Liverpool, Real Madrid. 
But yeah, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. I mean, Vas, let me just throw it to you, man. What's this past week been for you for, with soccer? I mean, congrats on your New York Red Bulls beating DC away. But how are you feeling this week? So it's been stated in the past that if the Red Bulls were to continue to play on the road, we would be MLS Cup champions. Let's be real. But no, they're still looking for their first home win of the season after a 1-1 draw against the Portland Timbers and Giovanni Savarese's men. Club legend at that. And it was a very shippy affair. And shout out to Aaron Long for continuing his great run of form, getting a goal to level the match. And the biggest news for my Red Bulls was the continuation of our run in the U.S. Open Cup, beating D.C. United 3-zip like Ronnie just mentioned. Goals from all sides of the pitch and a little bit of an injury scare on Aaron Long's front, but good to hear that it's just a caution. He was subbed out in the 12th minute and it looked like it was a, another Achilles rupture. So good to hear that he's all good on that front and just want to shout out. So the Red Bulls, although, yeah, we won three zip, we tied 1-1. I just want to have a moment to shout out Lucinius. Lucinius has been phenomenal since he stepped foot on the pitch for the Red Bulls. He's been the creative outlet that the team's needed since Kaku's left, and he's been delivering. And it's not very often that you see a designated player arrive from Europe and want to play right off the bat. Like he was itching to start his first week here, but his medicals weren't up to par. So it's great to see he's actually now on the score sheet. He's getting goals, he's getting assists and being an overall nuisance on the field for anyone who has to go up against the Red Bulls. And credit to Gerard Struber for continuing to have the Red Bull DNA ingrained within his, his team. The press feels like it's as good as ever, and I'm just hoping that we can make MLS history against the Philadelphia Union and become the first team to win six road games to open their season. And of course, we got to shout out to our boys in Cincinnati because they're, I've mentioned it from preseason, they're a team that you want to keep your eye on. Pat Noonan has these guys inspired. Brandon Vasquez is a goal away from the Golden Boot, I believe. Incredible stuff down there. And Vaz, just real quick, how you feeling up the upcoming game? I know you guys got Philly on the road and Chicago coming up as well. How you got? How you feeling for your upcoming two matchups? So I had mentioned, I think in week two, that although the Red Bulls were like first or second in the East, it could be just smoke and mirrors because we were playing a team that was like Toronto FC who still needed to gel, a San Jose side that we've seen, although they did win in the U.S. Open Cup in incredible fashion last night. An insane penalty shootout against the Seattle Sounders. It came down to the goalies making the penalties, but let's get back on track. Yeah, great stuff, us. Yeah, and for my very own New York City Football Club, we had another game at City Field this past week against Sporting Kansas City. It was a chilly night. NYCFC playing at City Field. Great atmosphere again. That ended up in a tie. It's good to see Maxi Morales back as well. Maxime Chano, who came back from an eye injury, wearing a kind of like a face mask. It's good to see Anton Tinnerholm starting to train again. I know he's been out almost easily, almost six months. So great to see Anton Tinnerholm at least starting to train with the team. And yeah, right now, I mean, Thales Magno on the left wing attacking. He's doing great. I think he's found his form. And I think Ronnie Delia is starting to trust him and starting to put him in that starting rotation and kind of getting his minutes in. And, and he's finding his form here in the MLS. Santi Rodriguez, I think he's found his great form as well as playing as a number 10 while Maxi Morales was away. But now that Maxi Morales is back, I think it's, they're both going to compete for that spot. 
But that's a good problem to have, in my very own opinion, for Ronnie D'Elia. So good to see uh, Maxi Morales back. And then Thiago Andrade, man. I mean, that Brazilian connection, Thales and Thiago Andrade on the right attacking side. They made a nice little banner out of it, the Brazilian Mafia. I mean, these Brazilians are coming to play. And yeah, man, NYCFC are in great form. I'm looking forward to our Derby Voss whenever that comes up, I believe, in the summer. Uh, hopefully both teams, you know, keep climbing up and face each other like at peak form. So really looking forward to that, man. Yeah, shout out to Thiago Martins as well, because I was trying to touch on his move when he came from Japan. And I had tried to bring up a discussion that I think more MLS teams should bring in designated players in the defense because we have seen a lot of MLS teams be top heavy and they tend to leak goals when they're playing internationally. So he, although started a little slow, he's come on into his form. Thiago Marins has been actually playing out of his skin, in my personal opinion. Like he's been standing out with long balls, with tackles, aerial duels. Big shout out to that center back playing alongside Mi gente, Alexander Collins. Yeah, also definitely want to give a shout out to Gabriel Pereira, also the Brazilian uh, that came in for New York City Football Club, attacking midfielder and winger. He's getting some minutes in as well. So, hey, man, I'm going to keep saying it again. The Brazilian Mafia, NYCFC, doing some great stuff there, man. Yeah, we got Columbus Crew coming up next this upcoming weekend, and then we got DC as well. So two good games coming up. And yeah, Vas, I think our New York team, safe to say, are in pretty decent shape right now. Not, not Nothing to honk the alarm on right now. He said it's going to be a true testament, the Philadelphia Union game for the Red Bulls, because they were playing some easier opposition, and now this is the one that will determine if they're the real deal. Absolutely. If they get it done against Jim Curtin's boys, Philadelphia Union and Subaru Park, then you guys are legit. I mean, I don't think it's been done in history. Six road wins ever to open up the season. So unbelievable stuff there if you guys could do that. And all right, guys, I mean, like we mentioned on the European side of things, Fabrizio Romano reporting that the Erling Haaland move to Man City is official. Man, I just want to throw it to Eric real quick on just these transfer moves as well. Robert Lewandowski being reported that he wants out of Bayern. I know Eric's excited about Frankie de Jong possibly leaving Barcelona. Yeah, Eric, just what's going on on the European side of things? And I'm curious to, to know your thoughts on Erling Haaland. Good move or bad move? How are you feeling on the Erling Haaland move, man? Oh, well, I mean, to be, st- uh, you just, you know, you briefly touched upon it. And, you know, I mean, just to start off first, but I'll get to Haaland in a second. But, um, I mean, it's always good when Barcelona lose a talent. I mean, they're losing Frankie de Jong and they're keeping Sergio Roberto. Whatever, you know, lose one of the best young center mids in the world. It's totally fine with me. That's an odd one. I don't, I don't think no one in the Barcelona fan base expected them to leave. But, I mean, with the club's finances going on and, you know, them signing free transfers, Frank Kessie's coming in also over the summer. I'm interested to see where Barcelona go, go from this, you know, this season. As far as uh, rumors of uh, Lewandowski leaving, you know, there's rumors of him going to Barcelona. Maybe that's why Frankie de Jong left. You know, honestly, what team wouldn't want Robert Lewandowski to play for them. I mean, obviously this guy has been one of the top strikers for the last decade and he would add quality to any team out there. Now, the Erling Haaland move. I mean, it's quite simple, you know, just give Manchester City all the trophies at this point. You know, at the start of the season, just throw them a big parade because come on, guys. De Bruyne scored four goals this past game. I'm pretty sure he scored more than that. If De Bruyne, a midfielder who controls the game, who technically is not supposed to be scoring goals, scores four for your side... Imagine Haaland, who scores for fun in Bundesliga and Champions League. Haaland is going to be bagging loads of goals for this Manchester City side. And if Guardiola stays, for sure, he's going to play amazingly. Now, the one downside that I see potentially, and, you know, we've seen this in the latest seasons, is Haaland is a bit injury prone, you know? He's missed a lot of games on the sidelines because of injuries. And as big as Haaland is, the guy is huge. Have you seen him running? I'd, I'd run away. He's scary running. 
you know, it's huge. But, you know, there's this consistent rumor that Premier League is the more aggressive league, the more intense league in terms of, you know, physical prowess and intensity. And Bundesliga, you know, offers that type of free-flowing football with all these clubs and how they play. As amazing as they play, there's this free-flowing play, you know, lots of passing. And I'm curious to see how well Haaland is going to adapt because, of course, he can do it in a UCL night. UCL nights are always special. Of course, he can do it in Bundesliga, you know. Uh, we've seen Dortmund produce so many top strikers and talent up in the front, just scoring loads of goals, just to name a few, Lewandowski, Christian Pulisic, most recently Gio Reyna, Usman Dembele, all who have thrived at striker. However, think about them when they leave Dortmund. Pulisic, very injury prone. As good as he is for the U.S. men's national team, you know, there's some things going on there in Chelsea. What about Usman Dembele? He shows moments of brilliance, but the guy's made out of glass. Most recently, we had Timo Werner, who was top scorer for Leipzig in, in Bundesliga, and he's obviously had his struggles in Chelsea. Now, I'm not saying Haaland is going to have the same experience, but it's definitely, you know, you do have a question mark there, that there, there is that small chance that perhaps he isn't what meant out to be. And, you know, obviously those injuries are a concern. And, you know, I, for the for one, as much as I don't like Manchester City, I actually hope he thrives and fills the potential that he has because this guy is a top striker, honestly, for the next decade, if fit. Look, man, the strong just keep on getting stronger. You'd think that any move that Man City makes would only worsen their team, but they just, Pep Guardiola, man, that whole City football group, they're getting all the talent. And just seeing him, I'm picturing him behind De Bruyne and the kind of balls that he's going to be spraying to him, the kind of runs that he's going to be making in between defenders. And him being a Manchester City fan from childhood, I think should show some of the best that he has to offer because he's going to be really playing for the jersey, playing with heart. And of course, his father is part of the team. So he's definitely going to try to get more goals than his dad did. You know, so I hope he gets a hot start. Eric, just real quick before we get to um, Eric Calvillo, man. Hopefully it's not a curveball or anything. But hopefully we can get maybe Julian Faustini on one of our next episodes. But I did want to ask you real quick on Juve, man. There was news that this is the first time in a decade that they're going trophyless, losing Giorgio Cellini. Just wanted to ask you, man, just your quick thoughts. I mean, we can bring on Julian in an upcoming episode, but I don't know what you thought on, on Juve. Just possibly all these changes coming up, and then we're, we're hearing Dybala being linked to Inter Milan. Just I don't know if they're on a downfall right now. <laughs> Oh man, how the mighty have fallen. It's it's interesting because um there was a certain fan base out there that blamed Ronaldo for this downfall. And Vlahovic was scoring tons of goals for Fiorentina. He gets to Juve, where are his goals? Where are his goals? It's amazing that Ronaldo broke over 100 goals in three seasons for this Juventus side who cannot create. You know, aside from that, that's beyond the problem with Juve. Juve have they have a problem not only with how they handle their signing of players, but also, like, I don't think they've found the identity. You know, I, I think it's time that they evolve from this defensive side who, once they score one, they sit back and let the opposition go to them. You know, as great as they are, eventually these players are going to get old. Chiellini, 37. Bonucci, not too far off from there. They do have a bright side in Delict, who honestly might not stay much longer. Delict, as as amazing as he is, there's only so much he can do. And I've noticed that he's been making more errors for Juve, as great as he is. Obviously, this is a very aging side. You know, Juve have old players. You know, I'm curious, how are they recruiting these players? Vlahovic was an amazing talent, and I don't think they're getting the best out of him. Maximiliano Allegri, he was a great 
great head coach at one point, you know, obviously making the finals in the UCL with this Juve side who was much younger, much more reliable. Now they're a side who clearly lack an identity and kudos to Inter Milan who lost one of their top players in Lukaku last season and they're still functioning very well. Lautaro Martinez, who's been playing sensational. Nico Barella, who in the heart of the midfield has just been playing sensational. Perisic, an amazing wide attacking fullback who was a left midfielder who now is playing left wing back. It's amazing. It's truly amazing that Inter Milan are getting the job done. And apart from having an amazing, beautiful kit, like, come on now. Juve, there's things that need to change. And I can see this club rebuilding. And I don't see them in the top within the next couple of seasons, unfortunately. Great stuff, Eric. Thank you so much for that, man. And yeah, we're staying tuned for the Champions League final on May 28th in Paris. It's going to be Liverpool versus Real Madrid. I know we had some stuff to say on the last episode. And all right, guys, thank you guys so much for all your insight. Let's get to our special guest, Eric Calvillo out of Palmdale, California, former player for San Jose Earthquakes, former player for Orange County SC, the reigning champs from last season for USL. He currently plays for El Paso Locomotive in the midfield. He represents the Salvadorian national team. And yeah, Eric Calvillo is coming up next. Let's go. All right, soccer fans, we got a special guest. He's a professional footballer who currently plays the midfield for the USL side of El Paso Locomotive. He's also played for clubs such as the San Jose Earthquakes and the New York Cosmos and the USL side Orange County SC. Super excited to have him on with us. Let's please give a warm welcome to Mr. Eric Calvillo. Woo! <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, first things first, you know, from all of us, you know, how are you? How's 2022 been for you so far? And just how's everything over there in El Paso under new coach John Hutchinson as well? Yeah, yeah. This year seems like it's going by pretty quick, isn't it? Everything's good. Everything's good. You know, I'm happy with my life, happy with uh, with El Paso. You know, I'm making, I think, you know, El Paso a little, little home for me and, and my, you know, hopefully future family. But yeah, you know, working with John Hutchinson, it's, you know, it's, it's a new coach that, but at the same time, not, not much of a new system that I'm familiar with, but uh, I know it's with the other guys, it is something very new. And yeah, so it's been, obviously the season didn't start as, as planned, but hopefully, you know, it'll pick up eventually, like, you know, as soon as possible, like tonight, hopefully. But yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very happy and excited for this year. Absolutely, Eric. That's definitely awesome. And El Paso, definitely a, a team not to be reckoned with in, you know, in the Western Conference of the USL for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and hey, Eric, before we just get into soccer real quick, I mean, I just wanted to take it to the start real quick. You know, you being born Palmdale, California, picking up mm-hmm. the game and obviously, you know, Salvadorian. I had to ask you, you know, how influential were your parents, your family in picking up the game, especially, you know, as a midfielder? Is that a position you always played or, you know, how'd you get into the midfield of anything, too? Yeah, no. I mean, my parents had a big impact in my in my career, in my life. More on the soccer side, it came through my dad, my dad and his side of the family. Yeah. My mom wasn't really like a soccer player growing up, but uh, but she was. She knew what she had to do as a mother, which was very to be very supportive and sacrificed a lot for my for myself to get where I'm at. But yeah, I've always played as a midfielder growing up. You know, my whole life, I did that since the beginning, since I started playing basically. But my dad was a goalkeeper, so it's out of the blue, I guess, you know what I mean? And obviously, we have to bring a very special part of your career, the beginning with the mm-hmm. New York Cosmos. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is if you can tell us a little bit about that experience and what was it like working with a very successful coach like Gio Savarese, who is a New York legend. We miss him. We wish you would be here in New York, but mm-hmm. how was that experience like? 
No, it was honestly, you know, a blessing, you know, a great experience. And I was completely honored to be representing, you know, such a historical club like New York Cosmos. It was great for them to believe in me at a young age and give me the opportunity that, you know, they saw, you know, to give to me and that I was ready for it. Uh, my first year was obviously a big learning, learning year, a big, you know, discipline year and also, you know, basically a tough year as well by not, you know, playing as much as I expected to. But, you know, just knowing Gio and the way he is as a coach and as a person, he clearly had, you know, a plan for myself and for the team and the club that it showed the, the following year in my second year where I had, I guess, where everybody says like a break, breakout season, you know, where he took me under under his wing. And, and like, like I said, like the process, like, you know, developing me, you know, to be ready for that opportunity when I got the chance where, you know, I played majority of that year and they ended up, you know, having San Jose, you know, be one of the teams looking at me and then, you know, buying me out and transferring me to MLS. That's incredible stuff, Eric. And I know Gio has an incredible track record with uh, working with younger players, even helping build the New York Red Bulls Academy, which one of the top tier academies in the country. But I heard your interview on the Perfect Soccer podcast, and mm -hmm. something that piqued my interest that you had mentioned was the roster build of the NASL teams had a lot of older guys, mm -hmm. and you as like a 17 to 18 year old stood out amongst your peers. Because there wasn't a lot of people, you know, that age playing with you. And you even finished runner-up in your second season for the NASL Young Player of the Year Award behind yeah. Jack Blake. Yeah. So I was just a little curious. How did those rosters differ from the USL ones that you've played on? Is it more competitive? Is the, the, the age more diverse? No, I, I just think, you know, at the time, especially compared to my first year with the Cosmos, like I said, there were a lot of, you know, I guess, older guys, more experienced, you know, veterans that have had, you know, successful careers in, you know, throughout their lives of, of the game. And, you know, me being a young 17, 18 year old going in there and not having really much, you know, people around players and teammates around my age, besides my one good friend, which was Alexis Valela at the time. And we're like, you know, those guys really took me under their wings, especially, you know, Danny Satella and Mike LaHood, my first year, Adam Moffitt, you know, those guys that were, I was, you know, obviously fighting for the same position to play more. But yeah, you know, just players like that, that really, you know, took me under their wings and were like my mentors and really, you know, helped me increase my game and basically show me the ropes of how the lifestyle of a professional is going to look like and could look like to where now in the USL, I'm getting older myself. You know, I think you can see more and more, you know, young players starting up, you know, here in the USL. And now it's like there's obviously more, even more teams that are having more and more youngsters compared to you know having more older veteran players so i think you know that does show a little bit more of like developing the players but at the same time hoping to have still those veterans that can really take them under their wing and show them you know the ropes and the way you know to develop them themselves on and off the field those three names eric just brought it back adam Moffitt had a crazy shot danny salsa Great, great players. And I know Christian already asked about Giovanni Savarese, and mm -hmm. you also work with Hugo Perez for El Salvador. And you're going to be playing under a great coach in John Hutchinson, who's an all-out A-League legend, you know, during his mm -hmm. time with Central Coast Mariners. And you even work with Richard Chaplow, winning uh, the, the championship last season. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned your father had a huge influence on your career, and I believe he coached you during your youth days. Mm -hmm. But of all these head coaches and assistant coaches that you've worked with, 
which would you say had the biggest impact on how you view the game and how you play the game as well? To be honest, there isn't one specific one because, you know, like just like any player, any person and any coach, everybody has their different qualities uh, and different ways to teaching others and, and, and speaking to them. And I think even, you know, guys that weren't even mentioned there that really brought me up through my youth as well, you know, had a big impact in my, my career, my, in the way I play and the way I learned the game. But I think, you know, obviously with all those different, you know, coaches and, and even as a young player in the youth, everyone obviously had a different, you know, set of goals and different way of, you know, trying to teach me because of the age. Every year when I got older and I started playing more and more, I learned from the previous coach of what they said to take it into the next one. And then the next coach would teach me now this way and how I can improve my game at this level now. So even like, you know, like you say, like Gio Salvarese going into my first professional year, that was a completely whole different level, different game from what I was so used to, which was at the youth level. So him teaching me, you know, things and, and basically showing me exactly what I can do to improve my game you know, meant a lot and, and really did showcase, you know, the following year, like I said, in my second year. And then again, moving on to my next journey, which was at the San Jose Earthquakes and then having two different coaches there, and especially more of my time with Matias Almeida, who really, you know, really great coach and great person, you know, very tough and, and demanding, but different style, different way of teaching. And, you know, just like that, like I'm saying, you know, it's him showing me his ways and what he now sees in, in myself at that time to even improve myself even more. And it just continued on with all the coaches. And I'm hoping even now to El Paso with John Hutchinson, he's obviously seen, you know, the way I play and the way I've, you know, came up in this game to where he can fix little things that I need to work on to improve myself even more and to help the team. Well, that's awesome, Eric. One thing I wanted to ask you, you know, we saw that you signed with the San Jose Earthquakes in, in 2018. And then shortly right after that, uh, I believe you got sent off on loan. So mm -hmm. just wanted to ask you, you know, what was that mentality like of course, signing with San Jose? You wanted to play in MLS and getting sent off. But also, you know, I'm very curious what that gap is like between MLS and USL. We've we've asked it before and we've had some other players tell us that it's pretty close, that there's not a huge mm -hmm. gap in regards to the two leagues. Yeah, no, there isn't. You know, obviously, my first year was a big struggle, a big struggle for me and my mentality, to be honest with you, because... You know, I've just had a great season before and made the made the big jump that I thought, you know, that I deserved and I really wanted, you know, and going into San Jose the first year thinking I was now ready for the next challenge and I was willing to take on that challenge to prove myself and prove to everybody, you know, that I deserve to be there and deserve to play. But like you said, you know, right from the beginning, it was, you know, just sending me on loans for every weekend to play with Reno which Reno was still a great team and great environment and great coaching staff and with great players. But obviously it just wasn't something that I, I expected and wanted. So it had a big, big impact in my, in my mental game that really, you know, dragged me down for a bit that I ended up, you know, having to fix that myself. And ever since then, like I've never gotten to that point and never let myself get to that point. But yeah, like the USL and MLS, it's not, it's not far at all. It's not far difference at all. There's obviously player wise, more, you know, technical, more quality players, but there is a lot still in the USL. I feel like the only difference is, you know, the speed of play. The speed of play is, you know, has always a big impact in, in the games because if you watch a USL game and an MLS game, you see how fast these, this ball is moving and how fast 
you know, players are thinking and knowing what they're going to do before even getting the ball. I think that's a big difference. And also the, the tactics, the tactics and, and how, you know, teams in the MLS want to play and or try to play where USL is a little bit more of maybe long balls here and there and not really trying to build out and play and have that perfect soccer, just really looking, looking to just win the game, basically. Wow, Eric, that's that's great insight because I thought you were actually going to say the opposite. Probably in the USL, they take more risks. So mm. to hear that from you, I guess the results kind of have a big impact on, on the way how you play in the USL. Yeah. Now, just kind of staying in the topic, you made your professional debut for San Jose Earthquakes in the MLS against Manchester United one of the biggest clubs in the world. So I just wanted to ask you, how did you feel playing those minutes against a top club and, and, you know, making it the first one with San Jose? No, it was, it was surreal, man. Like, honestly, just seeing those faces and those players on that pitch and then getting the opportunity to actually, you know, share the same field and play against them, even no matter how many minutes it was. But yeah, it was honestly, you know, a blessing and an honor. And uh, I would never forget that day at all. Never forget those faces, that jersey that I, you know, have obviously saved in my 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 uh, jersey you know collection, you know, which was I was fortunate enough to get one. But yeah, you know, obviously that was a a little friendly that we set up with Manchester, and it was a a great a great day for everybody. And I think you know we we bear, we learned a lot, you know, that day. That's awesome. And who was the jersey that you saw it with? Um, I'm pretty sure I got a Pereira, Pereira, I'm pretty sure. Pereira? Oh, okay. yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's still there, but, but yeah, I received him. I tried to get Andre Herrera's or Juan Mata, but Juan Mata was the captain and Wanda was the captain. So they already had it, you know, switching it planned up already. <laughs> but I love that. I mean, you expect midfielder and midfielder to swap, mm-hmm. but exactly. don't blame Wanda for that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. That's a great story. I'm, I'm guessing it must be different when you see the players in real life than compared to FIFA, you know, pretty big FIFA mm. fan. So I would have just been like, wow, this is nuts. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. uh, you've had a pretty unique journey so far in your professional career with some incredible highlights, Eric. And something that stood out to me was the fact that you played in the NASL, in the MLS and the USL championship. Three of the two, three different tiers that we've had the last few years in the U.S. soccer pyramid. And you've even won titles with the Cosmos, like we mentioned before, and Orange County, respectively. But what would you say is the biggest difference between the leagues that you've noticed, uh, other than just the technical aspects of it? And are there any adjustments that you've had to make that you can highlight when you have to play in all these different leagues? Yeah, no, of course. And I think the biggest, you know, difference from obviously those all three of those leagues and teams and clubs is the financial, you know, financial, you know, aspect to it where I've adjusted to, you know, training and, you know, these little random spots or fields and then being able to go to MLS where it's very high and professional, where it's, you know, much better and people are, you know, us players and teams are more taken care of where now it's like, okay, so now I have to come back to USL where it's a little different. They run things a little different where, you know, I might have to maybe, you know, sacrifice some things that I did I had before that I, I can't do now because it's a different league, different rules, and each club has their different ways of doing things. But at the same time, I feel like each league and each club tries to do everything possible that they can to make it comfortable for their players and their staff 
you know, so that we can perform to our very best to bring in more fans and, you know, bring in the ticket sales, you know. Uh, Eric, that's that's great insight, Eric. You know, one question I had for you, Eric, we saw that you represented the USMNT at, at some young ages, U17s, U19s. And of course, now we see you with El Salvador. So yeah. this is similar to a story we had with uh, Julian Araujo, uh, LA Galaxy, represented mm -hmm. a USA in his younger years and now switched over to Mexico. So I had to ask you, you know, how difficult was that decision? You know, of course, that's a difficult decision to make. What were all the feelings as you debuted with El Salvador? Yeah, no, um, I don't believe it was difficult at all, to be honest with you, because I did have a, you know, a great, a great time and a great experience with the U.S. youth national teams. But eventually it got to the point where, like, I wasn't, I guess, on their radar anymore. So, you know, didn't feel wanted or even respected or looked at. So it was basically like, OK, well, I have El Salvador now where they were very interested in me and really were trying, you know, as hard as possible to get me to switch. And just showing that interest and showing me the, the love and the care you know they had for me really was an easy decision to be like, yeah, let's go switch over and, and be able to have more opportunities to showcase myself at, a, at this high level. That's always been a goal, you know, playing for a national team and playing for the senior national team and getting these experience and, and you know, this exposure basically and playing against obviously the best players in the world. And I, I love your honesty. I think that because there is such a large amount of talent uh, or the, the talent pool is so big sometimes it's hard to get those type of looks or decisions mm -hmm. to bring you to the national team do you feel like now obviously you joined the u23 with el salvador do you feel like the way they're developing players in el salvador or in the u.s is different or are they the same what are some things that you can point out from from being in both camps no, it's it's completely different, you know, that and I think it just it honestly showcases, you know, when it gets to the you know the senior teams and, and you know the highest levels, how different, you know, I guess the development from each, you know, country is because you like everybody can point out, you know, El Salvador compared to the US and the players, the exposure, you know, they get compared to us is a little more because of, you know, I guess the development they, they do out in, in the US compared to here is completely different. And again, you know, it's U.S. has like more materials and stuff to use and to develop players here and there. We're like a Salvador, we like it's very, very, I would say, you know, third world country, right? Where like it's very difficult to have, you know, the things that U.S. or Mexico has. So I think that has a big impact because, you know, they're just more fortunate to have all those things compared to here in El Salvador, which I'm sure if they did have all that, we would be talking about a different game now. That's a great point. Infrastructure and all those, the facilities, the fields, mm -hmm. I think it makes a big difference when you're trying to grow the, the, the game in a specific country. Exactly. And one of the things that I also wanted to ask you, Eric, I know coach uh, Hugo Perez has been doing something very special with the team where he has uh, recruited players mm -hmm. who were American born, but have some Salvadoran descent. Yes. And now I read something that's like over 25% of the team are American-born players. How mm -hmm. do you think that's going to be beneficial for the team? I think not only, you know, the players, but obviously, you know, just having, like you said, Hugo Perez as our, our head coach and his, his staff, you know, playing or even working in the U.S. and bringing, you know, their ideas and what they've learned over here to teach, you know, all the players from El Salvador. I think it's really shown and impacted, you know, the team because, We've been a big talk now of the way we play and the difference, you know, 
from previous years uh, with the national team. So I think with more time and to work on all that, eventually, you know, we're going to be a, you know, a better and greater team for the next, hopefully qualifiers and world cup. Hopefully we still be able to, you know, showcase ourselves and still play the game that we've been working on to give us still the benefit of the doubt and the chances that are still mathematically there, you know? That's awesome. And we, I were from Ecuador, so we did see the El Salvador and Ecuador draw game. And, and we mm-hmm. were quite surprised because it was a tough team to break down. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy that El Salvador is continuing to grow. Now, I, I have to ask you, from what you have seen, from what you, what you have experienced, who has been the toughest opponent in this uh, CONCACAF qualifiers run? Well, I mean, I'm, I was just caught up the last qualifiers game, so I only experienced the U.S. and Canada. And then these next three games, hopefully I can experience all three to really know. But, uh, but obviously, you, you know, just being in the last one where it was U.S. and Canada, you know, two very tough, you know, tough teams with a lot of quality players. But to be honest with you, you know, neither of those games or, or hopefully, you know, hopefully these next three have really, there hasn't been a team that really, I would say, you know, dominated us in that aspect because with little and little each game, we're realizing, you know, the quality that we have and how we can compete with these guys. Yes, they ha- they might have, you know, these players and playing different spots in Europe and higher levels and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's 11 against 11. And no matter where you're from, you know, as long as you go out and play your hardest and with your heart, you know, you never know what could happen in the sport. So I think we've, we've really, you know, picked up on that and, you know, shown that we can honestly play with any, any of these national teams any, against any players. And what two teams to make your two starts in for El Salvador, right? The perennial powerhouses of the region, Canada and U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it set you up perfectly for whatever you got coming up now. So to go back to that interview on the Perfect Soccer Podcast, another thing that you had mentioned and to quote you when you had been asked about any advice for future pros and something that I I wish I heard when I was younger, you know, to Mm -hmm. just not forget how you started playing the game when you first started playing the game to to just still have that joy, you know, that love of it. And Mm -hmm. how much has that advice helped you in your career now on this incredible journey that you've had? Can you possibly see yourself uh, having some coaching in the future for post-playing career? Any sort of those ideas? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, obviously, it's helped me a lot because, like I said, you know, my first year in San Jose is where it completely, like, hit me different. And, and I worked on it myself and came back to that joy of how I used to play when I was a kid and not having really to worry about anything besides, you know, playing with friends or teammates to where now, you know, obviously I've. I've been a you know, very competitive person and I've, I still am. No matter what it is, I always want to win and want to just beat anybody that I play against. But at the same time, you know, just having that mentality of, of winning and, and having that winning feeling and enjoying it after, right? You know, I still use it today where it's like, you know, that joy of, you know, playing, just bringing it back to how it was, you know, when I was a kid and not having to worry about really anything. So where like my first year at San Jose where I had that little – you know, downside of, you know, trying to really, you know, pick up myself and not let myself get down and just starting to think about, you know, how I used to be as a kid and just playing, just having, you know, all the fun and just playing the sport that I love, that I brought that back to myself. You know, obviously I'm, I'm still a competitive person. I've always been a competitive person growing up and I still am. 
And I think that just even helps even more because of how much I want to win and the, the feeling of winning and the joy of that. You know, I think that also, you know, really carries on to you wanting more and be able to play, you know, more and more and be happy of what you're doing because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all it is because once you lose that joy, man, it's basically then what's the point? Exactly. I'm sorry. It's like you want to just enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. not just work yourself up over the entire process of what's to come yeah. next, you know? A lot of it's things like, that I guess players may forget sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Ronaldinho vibes. Ronaldinho yeah. vibes. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Eric, I know we know you have to go soon, so we're just going to wrap it up. Um, I just wanted Sounds to take good. two quick fan questions before we let you go. Okay. I mean, Eric, you're still young. You know, you're you're 24 years old. You're doing some great things. You know, super, super happy for you that you're with El Salvador and, and, and a solid team in the USL. But I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the goals that you still have for yourself, uh, you know, as you as you still have plenty of years in your career? And mm-hmm. is, also, is it still a main goal of yours to come back to the MLS? Yeah, so, I mean, the goal for this year basically is still continue, you know, one with the national team and continue getting these call-ups. But obviously, there'll be some friendly games here and there to hopefully, you know, it doesn't interfere in the schedule with the with my club season that I'll be able to come to still have those opportunities and that exposure playing against, you know, hopefully, you know, high quality national teams. And then obviously for the club, you know, winning another championship would, wouldn't be bad at all, you know, but being able to, you know, bring my attributes and, and what I, what I do for the game to my new team in El Paso and, you know, helping, helping us, you know, do well this year and again, reach, reach another finals to win. But yeah, all of that, obviously my long-term goal is, you know, hopefully to make it back to the MLS or even somewhere else, even better. So, but at the same time, like, you know, like we said, and talking about the joy and stuff, I'm just trying to take, you know, every day, step at a time, every, every session, every game, not trying to think about the future as much as possible, but at the same time, at least try to get prepared for it. You know, I heard, I heard this quote, I heard it on, on a video. I was going to save it and write it down because it was a, it was a good quote about like not really looking into the future, but also just taking at least that next step. You know what I mean? Just looking forward to that next step, what you're going to do next. Not really trying to think about, Oh, okay. What am I going to do in 10, 10 days or a week later? Now I'm going to think about my next step, what I'm going to do next instead of, you know, the future. Absolutely. No, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Live in the present and try not to mm-hmm. focus on the future that may be out of your hands. And hey, Eric, I think just one of our last questions, you know, on our show, we've had plenty of other types of players. We've had goalies, center backs, right backs and, and other midfielders. But um, for anyone who hasn't seen you play, Eric, just wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the strengths that you feel, you know, you bring to the field? And also curious just to get your thoughts on what are some good qualities to have as a midfielder for anybody, mm-hmm. you know, aspiring to be a footballer? And anybody aspiring to be in the midfield? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, my best attributes are being a possessive type of guy. I'm, you know, the one that always wants to be on the ball. I think I have a lot of movement, a movement that really helps, you know, out my teammates, you know, whenever they're in a sticky situation that they could always hopefully find me and or know that I'm trying to support them at all times. And also just my, my work method, you know, I work very hard you know, both sides, you know, defensively and offensively that I'm because I just want to win. I'm just trying to do the best, you know, for the team. And I think whatever is best for the team is when I'm at my best, that's going to help the team make everything more easier. Because if I'm not at my best, then they're going to have to carry up my load that I'm lacking on. And I don't want to do that. But uh, but yeah, and then obviously as a, as a midfielder, you know, those little things that, you know, every midfielder needs and 
and always continues to work on is their instincts, you know, their knowing the game and reading the game and, and how it's played and uh, the organization, the communication, and also the fitness is a big, a big part because, you know, we do a lot of running in that midfield. And then body position, that's just something I continue to, you know, lack on here and there that I continue to work on and hopefully get to get, you know, better at is my, my body position and my positioning on the field to, you know, separate myself from opponents and then knowing what I'm going to do after. That's amazing, Eric. Yeah, we think you added on a great list and I think really helpful for anybody listening to the show. So, Eric, we want to say thank you so much for being on with us. Now, I wish you all the best with El Paso and, and hope, hope to stay in touch. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, that was the interview with Eric Calvillo, man. Vas, you were on with me for that for that interview. What do you think of Eric, man? Great guy over there in El Paso. Eric, thank you again for having the time to speak with us. It was an incredible interview and incredibly insightful. One of the quotes that he had said that we had asked him about was uh, on some advice for anyone trying to go pro, and it was to not forget how you played when you first started playing the game. And that's just something for any future potential pro that they should really listen to because once the joy is gone, what's the point? You know, we all played and covered the game because it brings us joy. So I think that's one of the quotes that he had that really stuck with me. And he has an incredible path. Like he was a former youth 17 player, youth 19 player for the national team of the USA. And now he's representing El Salvador for World Cup qualifying matches. So thank you again. And I hope all the listeners enjoy what he has to say. Appreciate of us. And yeah, Eric, man, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Any final words before uh, we get closer to the Champions League? How are you feeling with Real Madrid coming up uh, in two weeks? You guys aren't, aren't getting my score predictions, guys. I'm sorry. Let's just say we have a collab coming up, guys. That's all we're telling the fans, sneak peek, you know, apart from that. But um, I'm holding my, my result close to the chest, guys. I've been, I've been fairly accurate the last couple of predictions, so I don't want to jinx myself, and I'm going to keep it close to the chest, guys. Thank you all for listening, and I'm excited. Champions League football is coming soon. It's getting warmer. The weather's coming nice. Thanks for listening, guys. Episode 62 coming out next after that. Yeah, appreciate it, Eric. Yep, thank you guys so much. Episode 61 is a wrap. We want to give a huge thank you again to Eric Calvillo for joining us and giving us his time. Wishing you all the best, Eric, out in El Paso Locomotive. We'll definitely keep an eye on you over there on the USL side. And yeah, we want to give a quick shout out to our two sponsors, Paragon Sports. Go check them out on ParagonSports.com for all your activewear needs, running, soccer, baseball, basketball. And go check out Taqueria 86 located on 94th and Broadway. If you live here in the city, you won't be disappointed. Grab yourself a drink. Grab yourself a margarita. 94th and Broadway. Go check them out on Instagram at Taqueria86NY. And yeah, guys, we'll see you guys next week for episode 62. We're getting our 60s already ramped up. We got a big episode coming up for you guys next week. And thank you guys for everything. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.